I started noticing the phenomenon about five years ago. At first, I thought it was isolated to a few people, but as the years have gone by, the symptoms seem to be afflicting many in today's society, and not just teenagers. Upspeak happens when a person makes a question out of a sentence that isn't a question, or more simply, speaks up at the end of a sentence. Upspeak, that irritating manner of speech. You've heard it. You even may be guilty of doing it. It's not confined to race, sex, or even education, but the symptoms seem to be prevalent in younger people. It seems this disorder had its origins in Valley Girl Speak circa 1994 and evolved into a more ubiquitous and equally grating form of communication. Here's a classic example. Hello? My name is Mary? Of course, the reasonable response should be, Hello, Mary. Are you sure your name is Mary? Upspeak knows no boundaries, but seems to affect millennials disproportionately. As much as I find Joe Biden's press secretary, Jen Psaki, a refreshing change from the vapid eighth grader that preceded her, I have found that Jen has been guilty of sometimes tainting her otherwise erudite commentary with the unmistakable slide into upspeak. But that damn disorder, however slight, diminishes her message. And I suspect she has friends she engages with that communicate in full-on upspeak to the point that it infects her. It's like people with a distinct accent that move from one area to another with a completely different accent, say, a Texan who moved to New York. The Texas accent may never go away, but after he's there for a while, he picks up the lingo. Like many of us, I've suffered with a terrible case of the you know, and uh, and um. I never noticed until I asked my wife Barbara several years ago what she thought of the interviews I had done. You were fine, except for all the you knows that you threw in, she said. I since tried to be very conscious about it. But when I'm interviewing a guest for the Cultural Scavenger, I still find myself sliding into the you knows when I hear the raw playback. The good news for me is that I can edit out all those you knows and stutters. But it would take some major editing gymnastics to correct upspeak. Can it be done? Yes. Should it be necessary? Nope. I asked Dr. Ryan Parkhurst, professor of video journalism at James Madison University, about the phenomenon, what he sees in his teachings, and how he treats the ailment. Ryan, you were Allison's favorite professor, and you gave her such a great foundation for becoming the award-winning journalist that she became. And she counted on you, leaned on you a lot for career advice. I know that upspeak was never an issue with her, but obviously I'm sure you've run into it. And how pervasive is it? And what do you tell your students? You know, how do you, do you counsel them at all? Do you say, you're not going to get a job as an on-camera journalist doing this constantly. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about all sorts of uh, different voice affectations that, that students might have. Um, you know, upspeak is certainly one of them. Uh, vocal fry is another. What is that? Vocal fry is something where 
it's also called Kardashian speak. So if I'm talking, <laughs> I say, oh, my God, that's so amazing. Right. So it's yeah. that it's that fry at the end of the sentence. And that is also something that a lot of young women do. I, I think young women, all women, really, but but young women specifically, you know, upspeak is one of those things where it makes them sound demure isn't the right word, but it kind of makes it sound like they're not being overly aggressive in the way that they're speaking. And that's kind of the subconscious thought process, right? If I, if I say something to you and it sounds more like I'm asking a question at the end, instead of asserting something, it comes across as a little less aggressive that, you know, but it's also, it's, it's a detriment because of the way people take it. Yeah. And I just noticed how well you threw that in there as a, as an example. Yep. (laughs) And, And it actually upspeak is interesting because you think of it as traditionally a an affectation to a female voice but if you look at someone like i mean george w george w bush especially towards the end of his presidency he was using upspeak all the time in his speeches wow and and i think part of it is because and, and i don't know if this is the case with um with president bush but part of it is this idea that i'm feeling like I am not equipped to be able to discuss these things. And so I have to be deferential in some way, shape or form in the way I'm saying things. And it's a plague in part because of how other people take it. Right. So I'm a young woman and I'm using upspeak in, in, in my discussion. What it's reinforcing to people is that, oh, this is a young person who doesn't know anything or doesn't have anything to to explain to me. And that is that is the real detriment to it. And when I talk to students, that's kind of where I take it is you have to understand that if you want to use upspeak or if you want to use vocal fry in your normal everyday conversations, that's your choice. But as a broadcaster, you have to sound authoritative and using those affectations make you sound less authoritative and more like you are seeking approval from someone instead of explaining something in a meaningful way. Boy, that sums it up great. (laughs) It's interesting that you, um, that you point out W and that must've driven Dana Perino nuts. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, again, it just strikes at the core of the person who's sending the message messaging, especially in what is my profession, which is broadcasting. It's all about the nonverbal messages as well, right? So it's the way you use your hands. It's the way it's the way you speak. It's the way you look at the camera. So it's all of these different things, but the verbal things and being able to know when, when do I go up, you know, or when, when do I go down or when do I slow my voice down? Right. And why do I do those things? And so There's a lot of, I don't ever throw that at students to begin with. I wait until they give me something and then I can start breaking it down for them. Because if you go into voice training, it becomes one of those things where it's almost like writer's block, except it's speaker's block, right? Because you start thinking about every little thing that you're saying 
and you lose focus about, you know, the, the natural storytelling narrative. So it's just trying to, you have to be very careful with trying to say, Hey, you know, this one thing you need to work on and let's work on it. And let's say the sentence five times and we'll see where we're at. So it is one of those things where once you point it out to a reporter, it can become debilitating unless you're willing to sit there and give them the vocal training that they need with it. That reminds me of Allison's first day at WDBJ. And I think she called you about this. She was literally in tears. And it wasn't anything vocally that she did. She was just so excited that she was using her hands a lot, per what you were just mentioning, that she was gesturing and she was doing all that. And she got, I guess, comments that people posted on the station that said, what's the matter with her? Does she have some kind of affliction? She thought her career was over. She was just like devastated. And I'm sure that I think she reached out to you. We just told her, look, it's, it's okay. Just clamp your arms down at your side. <laughs> and just, and that's the fix. And she never it had a problem with it again, ever. But I just remember how just torn up she was about it. It was, it's funny because I actually do remember that conversation with her. And, and I, I always call it like when I talk to students about it, if I see them doing it on air, I say, it's the Italian grandmother affliction, right? The <laughs> yeah. hands going everywhere and, and talking as they're making spaghetti or whatever, you know, and, and just being very verbose with their, their nonverbal um, cues and that you've got to be able to dial those things down. That's why you see Bill Clinton, you know, doing the thumb thing, you know, all the time. And, and George W. kind of using his hands is almost like karate chops, but doing it really slightly. Everyone has those things that they use to to try and accentuate points, right? And it's it's about being able to understand in your brain that my voice and my hands have to be kind of doing the same type of thing. I can't have <laughs> one being understated and one overstated or vice versa. I really have to make sure that they're working in concert with one another. And it's one of those things that I don't think you think about until you actually have to be on air and you have to be doing these things. And then you go back and you look at it and you're like, I look like, a fool. Like, why was I doing that? Right. Or why was I sounding like that? And so, I mean, the best, the best approach, honestly, and it's the hardest one to do, especially in broadcasting with up speaker, with anything else is just be natural, right? Be natural. That's the most important thing. Speak like you're speaking to a friend and then we'll fix those affectations as we move forward. Right. If, if you have the up speak, I mean, up speak was something that I, you know, strangely, when I was in college, it was all of my my friends. I, I went to college in upstate New York, so there were a lot of young women from Long Island. Yeah, and they used upspeak, but they used it. They would say, if you said something, like, oh man, isn't that awesome? They'd say, oh, I know, right? <laughs> and so they every at the end of every sentence would be a right. It yeah. was just, it was the strangest thing. And even then I was in college and I thought that's really odd. I've never heard someone speak like that before. And I mean, it was obviously, it comes from the Valley girl thing in the eighties. Exactly. And, that's, that's where it, the Genesis of Valley girl speak. And yeah, you know, so, gag with a spoon, right? It's that type of thing. Yeah. And, yeah. So what is the, <laughs> what does the future hold? Obviously you can, if you're in broadcasting and you're a journalist, you can fix that because you have to concentrate on it. But what's the 
prognosis, if you will, for all these poor millennials that are that are afflicted? Are we going to be hearing this? Is it going to take over like a pandemic, and that's all we're going to hear f- for the rest of our lives? Well, listen, you know, you know what the biggest problem is. The the biggest problem in Okay, so in the 80s, we could say this is very much a valley girl thing from from California, from Southern California. We can pinpoint where it's happening, and then it kind of spread like an epidemic, right? The problem now is that everyone is a broadcaster. So you're not getting just one or two voices on TV that sound, that might use upspeak. You're getting... 100,000 voices that you're hearing, and they're all doing the same thing. And it is a subconscious thing. When you hear people speak like that, you inevitably start speaking like that yourself without even realizing that you're doing it. So, And that's where the vocal fry thing comes in too, right? Because I actually find that vocal fry at this point is just as much of an evil as as (laughs) upspeak is because all of my students, they'll – Reporting for Breeze TV, I'm Jane Lunchbucket, right? So that that's the sound. Thing. It's like this. It's like this old, oh, yeah. you know, this this old smoker voice it, at the end of their sentences, and it's really strange. But both of them, I don't. If you want me to give you a prognosis, Andy, it's negative. It's it's <laughs> it's, it's it's pernicious. It's not, it is, it is like a virus. It is so embedded now in the culture. In the culture, we can share things so quickly with YouTube or with TikTok or with any other thing that it's just – it's a feedback loop at this point. Yeah. It's, it's, it's reinforcing itself over and over and over again. Um, and so for broadcasters or women who are going into you know political science or going into public relations or going into broadcasting, it's something that they have to be – cognizant of because it does not speak well to the person who's delivering the message. It, it, it is, it actually strikes at their credibility, which as a journalist is something that you have to always be focused on that something as simple is up speaking your language or using vocal fry says something about you, the messenger to the person who's receiving the message. And that's the big issue. Well, we can only hope that, your students, students of journalism and broadcast journalism can hopefully set an, a good example for for all the rest of these people that are just hopelessly engaged in upspeak, hopelessly afflicted. There is a cure. Just yeah. listen to a journalist. <laughs> exactly. And, and listen to yourself. Like, be, be self-critical, right? You know, and you're an old theater guy, so I'm sure you're aware of speaking from the diaphragm when you speak. And that's yeah. something we always try to try to help students engage with is their diaphragm when they're speaking. Just like upspeak, just like vocal fry, if you're not engaging your diaphragm and you have those, right, those breaths in between sentences, that's yeah. another scourge, a plague upon broadcasters is when you have reporters who aren't using their diaphragm and you've, get, you've got these in between sentences all of a sudden you stop paying attention to what they're saying and you start paying attention to when, when are they going to take their next breath, right? So those type of things that I unfortunately is, that's my life. And those are the things I'm constantly listening to, which, which ruins me for actually watching television news nowadays because I end up focusing on the wrong things. 
Well, this has been very enlightening. You've not only shown a light on Upspeak, but you have given me the definition of something that I had heard, but really wasn't aware of the vocal fry and then yeah. the, the lack of diaphragm, the breathy, <laughs> the breathiness. I'm, now I'm, I'm going to be like you. I'm going to be critiquing every journalist on television that I hear and going, Oh my God, please. Thanks for the time and good to see you again. Yeah, it's good seeing you too, Andy. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Whatever the cause of the affliction, for the sake of humanity, it must be treated. It's irritating to the listener and detrimental to the speaker. A millennial could have the cure for cancer, but if he or she were to speak to the medical profession and laid out their findings, they sounded like this, I have a cure for cancer, and let me tell you how I discovered it. Well, you get the idea. That's an exaggerated example, but I can assure you that there have been instances where a young person with an impeccable resume interviewed for a job, and as soon as the upspeak started flowing, they were toast. Adults don't talk like that. Neither do hiring managers, at least the ones over 40. But what about the future? I worry that when those 40-year-olds yield to the coming millennial hiring managers, what happens to our language then? Will we have snuffed out the scourge of upspeak? Notice the proper inflection here. Or will we become a culture of people endlessly asking questions, even if they are statements? That's a grating, annoying, fingers-on-the-blackboard dystopian world for sure. I hope we can contain this plague before it becomes the future of the English language. If we can't, then God help us. Sorry, I just couldn't resist. Parkhurst, I sure hope you're wrong. Well, that's the story. A special acknowledgement to Marianne Kennedy, Pat Bunch, and Pam Rose for allowing me to use their music from Safe in the Arms of Love a song Allison loved. If you liked what you heard, please share my podcast with your friends. And while you're at it, why not subscribe? And I'd sure appreciate a great rating in Apple Podcasts, too. I'm Andy Parker, and I'll be here next week with another episode of The Cultural Scavenger. Thanks for listening. <laughs>